The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. You are God's plan A, and he doesn't have a plan B. That's right. God has an incredible plan or purpose for all of history and for the world. And his desire is to defeat evil and to uh, spread his good news of love to anyone and everyone. And you're his plan A, and he does not have a plan B. Now, it may not be your plan A, but it is God's plan A for your life. He created you to make a difference in the world around you. And that's why every one of us have this inner pull, this desire that we were made for more, that we can make a difference. That's why people, they even, they don't necessarily believe in God. They believe that their life can matter in the world around them. They want to do something good. They want to matter. They want to make a difference. But then you, you turn on the news, you start reading uh, your local headlines, you start scrolling through your feed, and you start to notice man, all the crime, the needs, the pain, the, the tragic deaths, the, the rise of um, deaths from fentanyl and all kinds of uh, addiction issues, the, the tragedies, the shootings, the uh, economic devastation, the, the needs in our immediate community. And you start to think, man, what difference can I make? And maybe you've spent a good bit of your life trying to make a difference. Maybe you've tried to help people. Uh, maybe someone in your own family that you spent a lot of time trying to help through a crisis and, and maybe things didn't turn out the way you had hoped. Or, or maybe you gave some, finan- some financial resource to someone only to enable them to do something wrong. Or maybe you, you got really motivated, you started helping uh, in a situation, but then afterward you look back and you're like, what difference did we make? Uh, maybe it's even when it, when it comes to the world around you, you feel like, man, I need to get out there and I need to vote. And then you wonder, did my, did my vote count? Did my vote matter? What difference does it make? And you can start to look at your life and go, even if I try to make a difference, what difference can I make? I mean, I'm just ordinary, I'm just human. And and no matter what I've done or what I've tried to do, it doesn't seem like it really matters. And what we start to feel is like, I need, either I need something more in my life to help me make a difference, or I'm too ordinary and someone else is gonna have to step up and do it, because I can't. And, And so we're stuck, right? And I wanna bring you to, Uh, the story uh, of the early church, of the first disciples of Jesus, right? And what immediately strikes you is that these were ordinary guys. They were blue-collar workers. You got several of them. They were were fishermen. Another one of them is is like an IRS agent. He's a tax collector. You have one of them that's called a zealot, which means he's basically a a political troublemaker. He's a protester. He's a young zealous protester. Another one of them is called a thief. So not exactly the cream of the crop, right? Not exactly the best of the class that you'd pick and say, hey, this is how Jesus is going to change the world. So he chooses ordinary guys who act 
very ordinary. In fact, if you fast forward the story through the life of Jesus, Jesus uh, is crucified and then miraculously rises from the dead. And as I shared in the first message of this sermon series, All In, where do you find the disciples after Jesus rises from the dead and appears to them? Huddled up, locked behind closed doors, hiding in an upper room. And Jesus walked in and said, peace be with you. And he said, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you, right? Like on this mission, he, he was uh, telling them, here's the plan A. But here's these ordinary guys, afraid, huddled up, right? They could have been praying. They could have been quoting Bible verses, right? Reading the Bible, quoting scriptures. They could have been singing a hymn, maybe their favorite hymn to make them feel better, to give them some encouragement or some strength in the midst of all of their fears. And isn't that so often how we feel? Ordinary people who maybe gather and huddle up together, and, and maybe we could read, read the Bible or pray or even sing songs that help us and make us feel better. But they were locked behind closed doors, making no difference on the world around them. But the key was that Jesus wanted to commission them and send them out, that they were locked out of changing their world. God designed and created us to make a difference in our world. And so that's not where the story ends. If you, if you jump ahead after these moments, Jesus gathers them together and he challenges them. And this is his plan A for their lives. It's called in the Bible, the Great Commission. It's found in the, in the gospel of Matthew chapter um, 28. And I'm gonna start reading in verse 18 where Jesus is speaking to them and he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I have all the power, all the authority to, to change the world. He goes, it's all given to me. Therefore, you go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so he starts by saying, I have all the power and all of the authority. I want you to go and I want you to make disciples of all nations and I will be with you, right? So he's saying the power I have because I'm gonna be with you is gonna empower you to make disciples of, of the people and you, as you go out teaching people to follow me. And so as you read that, you know, kind of there's this incredible challenge and, and, and so then like you go, okay, how is this gonna happen? Before Jesus ascends into heaven, says that he gathers them together, and this is recorded by the, uh, in Luke. Luke is an, an outsider to Christianity and to Judaism. He's a physician who becomes intrigued by the early church, by the earliest followers of Jesus. He sees people who are living radically different, living all in. He goes, I, I want what they have. And so he begins to investigate the life and teachings of Jesus. He becomes persuaded that Jesus is who he said he was. And so Luke believes in Jesus, becomes part of the early church, and then later writes um, a really solid historical account of the life and teachings of Jesus in the Bible. It's called the Gospel of Luke and an account of the early church called the Book of Acts. A longer name for the Book of Acts is the, the Acts of the Apostles by the Holy Spirit. And as it begins, 
it, it, uh, it, Luke gives an account of Jesus before he ascends into heaven, where it says that then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? They're saying, man, there's all this trouble. They're living in a time of Roman oppression over Israel. They're living in poverty, um, you know, challenging difficult times. He goes, God, when are you going to do something about this? Jesus, when is God going to restore the, the kingdom, his kingdom? And Jesus said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the father has sent by his own authority. I, I don't want you to get consumed worrying about when the end is going to come or what God is going to do about all these issues on the news. It's not for you to know the times and dates that are specifically in the Father's hands. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He goes, oh, let me remind you, you are my plan A and I don't have a plan B. What's the key? What, what, is, what is jumping out of the pages of the story of the early church before it even began? These first followers of Jesus, who Jesus commissions, therefore go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. And before he leaves, he says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. What is God's plan A? What's this? God's power begins at the end of you. You, you want God involved in your life? God gets involved when we recognize that we can't do it on our own. When we get to the end of ourself, that's where the purposes and the plans and the power of God becomes most present. When you're trying to do it on your own, you don't lean into God. When you're trying to figure it out on your own, you don't need the wisdom of God. When you're trying to lead on your own, you don't need the leadership of God or the leading of God. When you, when you think you're strong enough, you don't lean into the strength of God. When you think you have the power to make a difference in the world around you, you don't lean into the power of God. And so you are God's plan A, and he doesn't have a plan B. But God's plan A for your life begins at the end of your plan A. That's right. You and I, our plan A is not God's plan A. No, you, your plan A for life was your dreams, your desires, your hopes, all of the agenda that you started out with, right? Just like I did. And so we all have this plan A and then things don't work out as we imagine. No, we quickly bump up against the reality that the world around us is broken. Things are not as they should be. But it's not just that they're broken around us, they're broken in us. So we tried to live our plan A and we crashed up against brutal reality, which is that we are broken inside. And it's not just that we're broken, you know, we hurt. It's that we break things. I messed up my plan A. Or terrible things around me caused plan A not to work out. So what is that? It's not just that the world around us is not the way it should be, or just that things feel broken inside. It's that I have this drive in me to push away from God's best toward what I think is best. I wanna do what I wanna do. My desires, my agenda, my ego, my demands, that's driven by 
sin. A spiritual force inside of every one of us that pushes away from God toward what we think is best, toward what feels good, toward what we desire. But sin tricks us into believing that what is not good for us, because it feels good for us, must be good for us. Did you catch that? In essence, it tricks us into believing that things that are not good for us are good for us. And so we pursue them, and then we get, we get trapped by them, and they wreck and destroy our lives. That's sin. That we are corrupted by sin, we are spiritually broken and devastated, and we're headed toward a, a forever far from God. But God. There's the plan A of God. Our, our plan A got wrecked by sin. And we're headed toward a forever far from God. And so we start living something less than what we thought was best. But God intervened in our story. God stepped down, entered into our world, became one of us, right? Jesus enters into the world, not just to teach wonderful things, not just to do signs, wonders, and miracles, but to die. Died to take on our battle with sin. And not just our battle with sin, the judgment we deserve because of sin. And so Jesus died in our place, absorbing our eternal death sentence. But he didn't just die. He rose from the dead. And in his resurrection, he conquers sin. He defeats death. And he frees us from eternal judgment. So that anyone who believes in Jesus by faith experiences God's plan A. You are God's plan A, and he doesn't have a plan B. But we experience God's plan A when we get to the end of ourselves. Can I challenge and encourage you? Before I talk about how you can make a difference in the world around you, or how God wants to make a difference through your life, his plan A, can I encourage you to begin by receiving God's plan A for your life, which is God's good news of love and forgiveness for you. And that, that's just simply you believing in Jesus by faith, that he died for you, that he rose again for you, and he forgives you, and he gives you new and forever life through his Holy Spirit. And, and maybe you're at that place right now where you're ready to receive that new and forever life. You're ready to say yes to Jesus and experience his plan A for your life, which is your plan B, meaning you, you had a plan for your life, but it didn't work out. It might be your plan B, but it is God's plan A. He loves you. He is for you. He wants to rescue you and give you that new life. Can I encourage you? Would you say yes to Jesus right now? You make a commitment to believing in Jesus. And as you make a commitment to saying yes to Jesus, would you let us know? Each of our campuses, you're joining us online. You can just scan that QR code. Let us know that you're saying yes to Jesus by faith. When you fill out the form that that QR code leads you to, one of our pastors will follow up with you and encourage you. We just wanna cheer you on and encourage you as you begin this new journey in relationship with God. When you believe in Jesus, God's spirit, which is eternal and invisible, comes and lives inside of your spirit. God desires to live inside of you. But God's spirit in you also wants to work through you, right? That's what I said. So what changes these ordinary followers of Jesus, guys who were huddled up and in hiding into world changers? It's because they had an encounter with the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, 
it is better that I leave because if I leave, I will send another who is like me. The word he uses is like this idea of a paraclete, one who is like me. Uh, and so he's saying, you're gonna receive the third person of the Godhead, right? This, we believe in the Trinity of God. One God who reveals himself in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So Jesus said, I need to leave so the Holy Spirit can come. And, and we read about that in Luke chapter two, verse, and starting in verse one. Let me just read a little bit of it to you. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. There was something supernatural happening. And, and that's what you and I need. Before Jesus left, he said, look, here's what I want you. I want you to wait in Jerusalem to receive power, right? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And so here they are. They're in a prayer gathering. They're in a place of worship. They're focused on God. And as they're praying, God's Spirit shows up like fire. And a swirling wind fills the room. And they all, it says they all receive the Holy Spirit. And they begin to speak in words they didn't understand. Now, in just a moment, if you keep reading, people on the street understood. And they say, what we heard them saying was declaring the wonders of God. It was a miracle. It was a supernatural moment. And the key is this. In order to fulfill God's plan A, you need supernatural courage. You need supernatural power. In essence, you and I can't do this on our own. God made you for more than what you're living. And you feel it. You have a desire. I was created to make a difference in the world around me. And I don't want to settle for living for myself. I don't want to settle for a selfish life. And I don't want to settle for just taking care of my responsibilities and meeting the needs of the people in my life. I was created to make a difference. And every one of us have this throbbing inside of us. The only way that you are going to live the plan A of God, which is that God wants to defeat evil and spread the good news of his love to anyone and everyone is that you need supernatural courage like what they received on the day of Pentecost. I don't know what you've heard or what you've um, experienced when it comes to teachings on the Holy Spirit, but I know a lot of people have a lot of, you know, they get uncomfortable when we start talking about the Holy Spirit because they, maybe they've had a, a, an experience with people that are just weird. Or maybe it seems flaky or strange, whatever it is. What I do know is this. I know that whatever I read in the Bible, I want it. I know that I want my life to make a difference. I, I know that I want God to do God-sized things through my life. And I know that I want that for you that God wants to do something unexplainable through your life. God wants, like he did through these ordinary disciples who became the apostles, he, he wanted to do something world-changing through them, and he wants to do something world-changing through you, but you can't do it on your own. No, you, you can't just, um, it, you and I have tried to do life on our own, and it didn't work. So we need something more. We need 
something from God. We need God himself to come in our lives. You were never intended to go through life on your own. More importantly, you were never meant to do God's plan A on your own. You can't do the purposes of God by yourself. No, what do you and I need? We need the power of God in our life to give us courage, supernatural courage to do what only God can do in and through our lives. And so how did they do that? They were gathered together, these followers of Jesus. They prayed, they waited, they received. Can I encourage you? Maybe maybe those are the steps you take. You and I, we find ourselves in a place where we can, pray and wait on God. And then as God begins to pour his spirit into your life, you just receive what God wants to pour in and then let him pour through, right? They began to speak in words that they didn't fully understand. Maybe there's things that God wants to speak through you that you don't fully understand. I know that there's things God wants to do through you that you may not fully understand because it's a perspective of surrender, God, I'm I'm yielding my life to you. You can do through my hands what you wanna do, even if I can't fully figure it out. You can speak through my mouth things that you wanna say, even if I don't fully understand why I'm saying that or what they mean. God, you, you can give through me generously, even when I don't feel like I have enough. Would you allow God to pour his power in you to pour his power through you? Now, let's, let's continue reading with this story. Acts, well, if we go back to Acts chapter one, verse eight, where, where they're saying, you know, they're wait, that they say, God, when is it all gonna happen? When are you gonna overthrow evil and set up your kingdom? And Jesus said, it's not for you to know about the times and dates that the Father has set, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus says this, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. Let's jump ahead to Acts chapter two, where we just read about how they receive the power of the Holy Spirit. If you go down to verse six, it kind of says, here's what happens next. When they heard the sound, uh, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Something supernatural is happening. Um, And and, and it says that they said they, they heard the amazing things of God. They heard the wonders of God being declared. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Then Peter, oh, the same Peter that denied that he even knew Jesus three times, only not just a short time earlier. Then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, And all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. And he goes on and he preaches to them about the message of Jesus. He declares to them about the power of God revealed through Jesus, how Jesus died for them, how he rose from the dead and how they can believe in Jesus and receive new and forever life. And this is how he concludes his sermon in verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There's this um, 
powerful moment where God takes an ordinary guy like Peter and Peter begins to preach and people's lives are changed. The very next uh, part of this story is that over 3,000 people believe in Jesus by faith and repent and are baptized that day. And the church goes from this small group of about 120 people that were gathered in prayer on the day of Pentecost um, to, and that same day, it grows to several thousand people. Why? Because you are a witness of God's plan A. Peter, the apostles, were a witness to God's plan A. God's plan A. That he would rescue the world from evil and spread the good news of his love in you, through you. And you're a witness of that. When Jesus uh, challenges them to receive the Holy Spirit, he says, you'll receive power from the Holy Spirit and you will be my witnesses. God's mission for your life is that you would live as a witness of his love to share and show the love of Jesus with people that are far away from God. That you would be a witness of his love. In order to be a witness, what do you need? You need power, power from the Holy Spirit. Why do you have power from the Holy Spirit? So that you can do really cool miracles? So that you can have uh, supernatural gifts from God? No, no, no. You, you receive power from the Holy Spirit in order to be a witness. The power of God given into your life is for the purpose of his plan A, which is that your life is a witness of his love. You are called to make a difference by sharing and showing the love of Jesus with people far away from God. And in order to share and show the love of Jesus with people far away from God, he gives you power. I don't want you to get hung up on gifts of the Holy Spirit because we reckon, that's a sermon for another day, but clearly God desires to give gifts as we receive the power of the Holy Spirit, he wants to pour through us. And as his spirit pours through us in power, he gives us tools. The gifts of the spirit are tools to be deployed, not, not trophies to be displayed. They are tools that we use as we witness to the good news of God's love. But you were designed to make a difference in the world around you. And the way that you can make a difference is yes, by doing good, but more importantly, by spreading good, by sharing God's good news. You were designed to be a witness. Now you could certainly witness to God's love by loving others, by serving others, by being kind and compassionate and generous to others. But at some point, it does require us to open our mouth and speak of the good news of God's love, to invite people to church. 3,000 people were added to the church on the day of Pentecost because Peter opened his mouth and preached about the good news of God's love. You were designed to be a witness, to share the story of God's love at work in your life. The, the, um, the cent- a, a key word that I would give you of how we make a difference is the word multiply. Lifehouse exists. The vision of our church is this, that we wanna invite anyone and everyone to know God, to find family, and to make a difference. We want you to know God, find family, and make a difference. So how do we make a difference? One word, multiply. The church was designed to multiply. You were designed to multiply. It's true in biology and it's true in the spiritual realm. That's right. Anyone who goes to church, 
So that's you, right? You're joining us online. You're at one of our campuses. You're in church. You're part of the church. You were made to multiply. That's right. And how do you multiply? Well, the very first thing you can do, the easiest thing you can do is invite others to church. And when somebody who goes to church invites others to come to church, you're multiplying. But don't stop there. It's not just that you invite people to go to church. The goal was not, when, when Jesus uh, gave the, com- the great commission, it wasn't go into all the world and invite everyone to church. No, it was make disciples. So if you believe in Jesus by faith, your mission, the way you make a difference, is that you believe in Jesus and you multiply by sharing your faith with others and inviting them to believe in Jesus. So don't stop at just inviting people to church. Would you meet with someone? Would you share God's love with someone? Take the time, make a commitment this week that you're gonna share the love of Jesus with someone in your sphere of influence. But let's not stop there because the church exists to multiply. So we believe in Jesus, therefore we tell others and invite them to believe in Jesus. If you're serving in the church, you multiply by inviting others to serve. If you're leading in the church, you you multiply by training and developing others to lead. We have life groups. You know, what the, you know what the goal of a life group is? To Yes, to so people can find family. But as people find family, it multiplies, it grows. New people become part of that life group, right? And as new people get part of it, it grows. As it grows, it multiplies. We train a new life group leader and we start a new life group. New life groups start new life groups. Life group leaders train life group leaders. As, our, as a church service fills up and grows because new people are coming in, we start a new church service. As a campus grows, we multiply by starting a new campus. As the church grows and gets healthier, we spread out and we start new churches. You wanna know how we start new churches? Because someone like me, a pastor trains a pastor and because I planted, right, I started Lifehouse Church, my passion is to train other pastors to become church planters And not just plant churches, but plant churches that start new churches. Okay, so you see that everything about the church multiplies. People who go to church multiply. People who believe in Jesus multiply. Life group leaders multiply. People who go to life groups multiply. Life groups multiply. Church services multiply. Campuses multiply. The church multiplies. Church planners multiply. That's what we do. We are designed to make a difference in our world by multiplying and spreading out and changing the world around us. And you have the privilege of not only being part of it, but of being God's plan A. And he doesn't have a plan B. There's there's no plan B. You are it. You and I are the plan of God to change the world around us. Can I encourage you? I wanna take a moment, I just wanna pray. What I I want is in my prayer to just see you invigorated and become impassioned to fulfill the purposes of God by receiving the power of God. Maybe right now as I pray, you recognize I, I need something more than what I already have. Maybe just open your hands right where you are. Just say, God, I wanna receive. Today, we're, we're gathered, we pray, we're gonna wait, we're gonna receive. Heavenly Father, thank you that you love us so much that you didn't leave us on our own, but you came to rescue us. Your plan A was to rescue the world from sin and death. And Jesus, you came, you died on a cross, you rose from the dead, and we are your plan A. So God, we receive that right now. And God, you gave us this promise 
that we could receive power from the Holy Spirit. So God, right now, each of our campuses online, people whose hearts are wide open to receive, God, would they receive that power from the Holy Spirit? But God, we don't wanna just stop there. We don't wanna just hoard your help. We don't wanna package your power and hide it inside of us. God, we, we know that we receive power in order to be witnesses of you. And so God, for every single life house, or for every individual that part of our church attends our church, God, I pray that you would empower them and then send them to be bold witnesses, to become world changers, to make a difference in the world around them, to multiply. So God, I pray for us to receive power and then go and be witnesses of your life and your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.